right, so let me get into uh, uh, what, we, what, what the Lord has given me uh, to share with you today. Um, I have the privilege this morning of continuing a series that I started a couple weeks ago, a series that I'm simply calling Relationships 101, right? We're going to the basics of relationships. We talk about this almost every year because they're so important. And this series is targeted to relationships because we believe that relationships are so important. And as a pastor, much like those of you who are educators, you realize that you just take some liberty, right, to say the most important things over and over again. You know, sometimes I'm preparing these things, and sometimes I'm looking at the calendar and the Christian curriculum that we set before you, and the Lord just keeps saying, hey, say the most important things over and over and over again. Why? Because we forget. Now, everybody in this room knows what Coca-Cola is, right? You think Coke is satisfied with that? You think they're going to stop running ads, right? They won't, right? Because they want us to remember. They know that there's lots of other products, lots of other competing things that will invade our attention. And if they don't keep repeating those ads, right, that we'll lose sight of them and we'll move on to something else. And the same is true as it relates to the most important things about our lives, the most important things that God wants to sort of drill down in and zero in on. We will say them over and over and over simply because they're important. And relationships are important because I've said week after week that who you are today and who you will be in the future will mostly be shaped by the relationships you have, the people you have around you, especially your family of origin. But we also talked last week about how friendships influence that as well. And since our relationships will shape the essence of who we are, they will form us into who we are and who we will be and impact how our children and our children's children and our generations to come, then we will drill down and deal with these relationships. We say almost every single week that our purpose in life is to love God and to love people. That's what we're here for. And so everything that God has put us on this earth to do deals with relationships, our relationship with God and our lateral relationships with people in this world. And uh, this this relationship series is never designed to give you ammunition to fix somebody else. I say week after week, this is designed for you to work on you. So in the spirit of that, let's get down to business. Amen? Like I said, we talked about friendship last week. The week before that, we kicked off the series with a sermon that I called Pastor Talk to My Man, right? The, I talked to the, the men on behalf of the ladies. The ladies sent me all this information to process, and I talked to the men on behalf of the ladies. Well, today, I have the privilege and pleasure. I should, I'm a little giddy about this morning, get some things off my chest. I told my wife to sit right in front, and she's not even in here. But today, oh, where's she? Oh, there you are. Oh, I'm so excited. I told you I'm excited. <laughs> Today I'll address the ladies on behalf of the men with a talk that I'm calling Pastor Talk to My Lady. And I, I, I let the, the, the guys shape the content of this. And so because of that, today's sermon is rated PG-13 because we want to get into some things today. So if you brought your kids in here today, I just want to warn you, um, I, I want to be talking about some things. Like, now, I'm not going to be unduly controversial, and I'm just not just going to be practicing some new words that I learned. But I do want the freedom and the liberty to go for some things without the, you know, running the risk of exposing your children to something, you know, before you're ready to talk to them. And so I just want to let you know uh, that today's sermon is PG-13, so we can really go for it this morning. Amen? So last week I uh, sent out an email to the guys. I said, listen, what are some issues that you're dealing with? What are some issues that you like to have addressed in a, in a sermon that's geared toward your uh, wives or your potential wives? What are some things? I also asked them, what are the top three things that you would say that uh, men wish women knew about men? And, uh, you know, I was a little discouraged. I almost changed the topic of today's sermon just because the guys were really, really slow in getting me these responses. I thought maybe, I thought they'd be quick to share. You know, I got some as late as like last night at around 11 o'clock. But they came in and they were true to what I've been feeling my whole life. <laughs> they came in and, you know, I've just noticed that over the years, the women's categories tend to fluctuate. You know, but the, the men's categories were exactly the same as last year. And these guys really emphasized these core things that matter to them. And so uh, we boil them down to three particular areas, three things. But before I talk about those three things, I want to read to you uh, a few of the outlier comments that I thought sort of were helpful, and these kind of fall in the honorable mention category. One guy writes, if my wife wants me to be the friend who just listens to her, 
and to become a better listener and engage in her feelings and stories more often, she's going to have to start engaging in sports with me, and she needs to do it with some enthusiasm. I think you know who you are there. Somebody else wrote, God is not out to get women, but he wants to empower them with the instructions he gives wives in Scripture. I thought that was important. Another guy wrote, vanity or materialism is a source of concern for the man. If a man's woman is overly taken by the pursuit of more or better, it's just a matter of time before his position in her life will be challenged by the more or better. Finally, intimacy is the hallmark of any successful relationship. This intimacy cannot be shared with other men or women. Girlfriends who know just as much or more about your relationship or you as your man, uh, as your man is a no-no. This is a challenge to your man's place in your life. I thought those were really insightful. Um, but by and large, the rest of the comments that came in fell into three specific categories. But before I get into those three specific categories, I want to unpack some scripture this morning. It's just a springboard for our time to get today. And, but before I do that, let me pray for us. By the way, we're looking at Ephesians 5. This is the same passage we looked at a couple weeks ago as we get into this. Ephesians 5, we're going to start at verse 21. While you're getting that, let me pray. Jesus, thank you so much for an opportunity to worship you, to gather with your people. Come before your throne with thanksgiving and praise. Lord, we're also thankful, Lord, that we can come in, in the worship service and get something and receive something as well. So, Lord, I pray that you would speak your truth to us. I pray, Lord, that you would prepare our hearts to receive uh, what you would have for us today. And not just receive, but to respond. Lord, would you move any offense? Would you, would you go before us and take away anything that would cause us to bristle at the truth? Uh, Lord, would you uh, allow this message to be received in the spirit in which it is given and that is with love and with expressed desire to, for, for us to be transformed. So come, Holy Spirit, speak a word of life. Move the preacher out of the way. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Ephesians 5, we're going to start at verse 21. This is the Apostle Paul, and he's given us instructions, helpful instructions, on how to get this right in our interpersonal relationships, particularly the relationship between man and wife. Now, if you're single here today, please don't check out on me. Please don't feel like there's nothing in this for you. If I understand it correctly, many of you uh, aspire to be married one day. You want to be enriched in satisfying relationships. And so it's helpful to learn this stuff before you get into marriage uh, so that you might hit the ground running. And so please don't check out on me this morning. There's something in here uh, for everybody. Ephesians 5, we'll start at verse 21. Paul says, and further, submit to one another out of the reverence for Christ. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of his body, the church. And as the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands and everything. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. Verse 28. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body, but feeds and cares for it just as Christ cares for the church. And we are members of his body. And as the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined into his wife. And the two are united as into one, excuse me, verse 32. This is a great mystery, but it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So again, I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. I read 33 again. So again, I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the focus of our talk today, and the wife must respect her husband. Respect her husband. So again, we're dealing with this issue of mutual submission. Doesn't matter who we're talking to, whether we're talking to men or we're talking to women, Paul is talking to each of us as we make up these marriage units about this concept that's easy to forget, it's easy to set to the side when the, the going gets rough in, in a relationship, when one person isn't doing their shit. It's easy to forget this concept, this beautiful holy concept of mutual submission. Paul says, submit to one another. And so in this, he's addressing our hardwiring as men 
and as women. Last week, two weeks ago, we talked about the hardwiring of women. Women are hardwired to receive love. Men are hardwired to receive respect. And I always reference uh, this fantastic book, Love and Respect, because it, it really says uh, these, it really wraps these context, this, um, this, con- this content, excuse me, in language that is really helpful. And if you don't have this book and you're struggling in marriage or you want some key insight or you want to go a little deeper, I highly recommend this to you. In fact, if somebody's really struggling today, if you want to come up, you can have this one. But what Dr. Eggridge says basically in his book is that God hardwired women to receive love and affection from their husbands. And God hardwired men to receive respect from their wives. He says that when uh, people don't get that, things get really crazy. Things get really crazy. When the husband isn't getting respect from his wife, he stops giving her love. And when he stops giving her love, she stops giving him respect. And he says that it goes, it takes us into this crazy cycle. And many of you recognize this because this is where you are today. You're in the crazy, crazy cycle. And what Paul encourages us to do, he encourages us to do our Jobs, Ladies, I'm talking to you today. Paul says, do your job. He says, do your job. It's interesting that what Christian men say that they need most from their wives are the very things that God hardwired them to need from you guys. And so when I look at all the responses that came in, when I looked at my own heart and the guys that I talked to, even the responses that came in through social media and various private messages, it boiled down to three things, right? But these three things really feed into one big thing, and that is love. That's love. Men need love. And love is just an intense feeling of deep affection. And love is not something that should just be contained in your heart, right? Love is something that you actually have to show. And so I don't care how rough and tumble these men are, how many tattoos they get, how often they roll up their sleeves and just grunt and scratch. Listen, you know, we need love. We need love. We need love. But there's an interesting thing that you need to understand, and some of you have heard this, but you've forgotten it. And some of you have heard this, and you've forgotten it. You've heard this. He's made you mad, and so you've set it aside. But men spell love, R-E-S-P-E-C-T. Men spell love as respect. Men spell love as respect. And if you seek to love your man without tangible expressions of respect, that love will not be conveyed in a way that he can receive and respond to. Men spell love, R-E-S-P-E-C-T. And understanding this, ladies, will save you a bunch of trouble, and it will fix the broken places in your life as it relates to, you know, the broken bridge that lies between you and him. And what is respect? Respect is a feeling of deep admiration for somebody's abilities, their qualities, their achievements. It's due regard for feelings, wishes, rights, and traditions of others. And all of that displayed in a way that connects with the specific person that you're dealing with. And so we've been talking a lot about loving one another on their terms and on their turf. And not just saying, well, this is how I show respect or this is how I feel respected. And so I'm just going to convey that to you and I hope it lands well. No, but true love, and for men, true respect means finding out how your man ticks, finding out what disrespect looks like for him, finding out what real respect looks like for him, and loving him, loving him on these terms. Failure to do this, ladies, as many of you are currently realizing, failure to do this will make marriage just really, 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 really complicated. It's really complicated. A marriage is already hard, right? You got two different people from two different places, two different sets of values trying to make things work. That's, that's already hard, right? Hopefully it gets easier, but it's already hard. But when you fail to love the person that God is putting in your life on their terms and on their terms, you not only make it hard, but you make it complicated. You make it complicated. And if you've ever been entangled in a complicated relationship, it is absolutely uh, a mess. It's not life-giving at all. In fact, you might find yourself looking for an exit strategy or a door to get out of. And friends, that's not how God intended this to work. It's not how God intended this to work. And so in this realm of respect, this in many ways is more important than sex. And that's saying a lot. That's saying a lot. And so, you know, much like a couple weeks ago, we asked the question, hey, what if my wife, you know, we asked the question, what if my wife doesn't deserve love? 
And in the same way we ask today, hey, what if my husband is not a respectable guy? Or he currently, in this particular stage or season in his life, he's not a respectable person. Am I still on the hook for respecting him? The short answer is yes. The short answer is yes. And so what God is calling for is unconditional love and unconditional respect. Because he knows it's going to get hard. Because he knows you married a knucklehead. He knows you married somebody stubborn. He knows that you married somebody that's flawed and that will mess up and that will disappoint you and that has difficulty saying I'm sorry and will miss the mark. He knows that. And he knows the natural response, the natural reaction is to withdraw respect and all the tentacles of it. And so for that reason, he says, respect is so important. It's so necessary. Even if he's acting a fool, I'm going to command you to give each other that unconditionally. Because oftentimes the healing, you know, balm over what's broken in that man can be fixed. It can be expedited, the healing process expedited when you show unconditional respect, even when he doesn't deserve it, even when he's acting a fool, even when he's made a mess of things. Ladies, you have to understand that men are extremely fragile. We're extremely fragile. I, listen, when it comes to my wife and her regard for me, I, you know, I don't like to say it often, but, you know, I am extremely fragile. You just wrap me in some bubble wrap because I am... I'm fragile when it comes to that. I don't say it all the time, and I, you know, but this is legit. This is legit. And that fragileness is often masked by this, you know, this silly stuff we do to make ourselves look large and make ourselves look, you know, tough and, you know, unfazed by life. But listen, don't let that fool you. We just, we're fragile when it comes to this. And so that's why it matters. Here's what you guys had to say about respect. One guy said, I wish wives knew how much we desire their respect for us as leaders in our homes. It's a little like politics in a way. You don't always have to like me or my decisions. I guess I should have to earn that. But I always expect you to respect the office that God has given me. And if I'm not living up to the job, please help me to do so. Another guy said, please respect me without question around others. If I screw up, support me in public and critique me in private. I thought that was really insightful. Another guy writes, we need your respect. If we feel you don't respect us, then we don't feel like a man. God put us as the head for a reason. And if when that role is subjected or usurped because of a lack of respect, God's order is disrupted. When we have our wives respect, we feel rich even if we don't have a penny in the bank. Because respect is our currency. But if we don't feel respected, we're on skid row. I mean, man, that's, that's a bumper sticker right there. It says, when we have our wives respect, we feel rich, even if we don't have a penny in the bank, because respect is our currency. And so I, th- I think that we really need to understand this, Right? And so this is our hard wiring. This is how, you know, this is how we feel and perceive love if you show us respect. And so since that's the main thing, my guess is that all of this, the responses that came in are just basically guys saying this is how love is. This is the outworking of love. This is what it looks like. This is what it feels like. These are the basic sort of arteries that love sort of travels to to get to me. And so I want to focus this morning on the big three. I'm calling the big three. And they're familiar to many of you, particularly those men who sent these in. And the big three are these. These are the big three categories that men want me to talk about, talk to you about today. Communication, support, and affirmation, which is very similar to uh, one of the categories for the ladies last week. And the final one, you could probably guess, is sex and intimacy. Communication, support, sex, and intimacy. Let's begin with communication. This is really, this is really important, Right? And what's communication at its basics? The basics of communication is the exchange of information from one place to the other. In our relational sense, the exchange of information from one person to the next. And so, you know, we're not just talking about talking, although talking is huge, but we're talking about our words, we're talking about our deeds, our actions, and we're talking especially about our disposition, right? The words you say, the stuff you do, And your general affect, your attitude, your disposition, all of those things communicate something, whether you mean to or not, whether you know it or not, this is the essence of 
communication. And so here's what the guys had to say about communication. One guy writes, honest and respectful communication is so important. When your tone is something other, it's so easy to disregard what you are saying. We need to hear your wisdom and insight, but please consider how you deliver it. Another person writes, we aren't mind readers. Tell us what you want (laughs) in plain language. If you say you're fine, but you're not, please consider the idea that you are lying to us. Now, that sounds comical, but that's legit. He says, consider the idea that when you say you're fine and you're not, just understand that you're lying to us, and the scriptures speak clearly about where liars go. Next guy writes, double speak and passive aggression can be insurmountable, uh, insurmountable ob- obstacles, unwinnable battles. How are, we to, how are we able to successfully respond to your needs and desires when we are left to guess? Speak plainly and hold us only to what you verbally communicated. I'll read that again. Speak plainly and hold us to only what you've verbally communicated. And so I think that's, I think that's so key, especially, and I think, I think that goes both ways, really, but who are we talking to today? We're talking to the ladies today, okay? Speak clearly and hold us only to what you verbally communicated. Somebody else wrote, your words make a world of difference. You and someone else can say the same negative thing, but we don't care about that person who isn't part of us. As a man, we don't care, but you cut deep just because it is you. Words of affirmation are keys to the heart. We want it from you. Ultimately, we desire the words because they speak to our souls, but we want them to flow from your lips and out of your heart. We don't want another to fill that hole. And this comment is from 2013. It was so good that I wanted to put it in here, and it's re- um, regarding venting, right? Here's what one guy says. I have learned over the years that women need to be listened to. They want you to sit back and listen, no matter how irrational, no matter how emotional. What this sometimes turns into is you treating me like garbage. It's one thing to say that you are upset and you want to talk through the problems. It's another thing to talk, take it out on me, excuse me. When I observe how others are treated, this message that I get is, I'm the only one that she is willing to treat this way. As her husband, I feel like I'm the person she ought to respect and treat the best. I would love to be a better listener and a better sounding board for her to vent. It is extremely difficult when I become the object of her irrational and emotional venting. This is what your guys had to say about communication. And so basically what that boils down is to two things. We're talking about clear communication and we're talking about respectful communication. There are other avenues that we could explore, but it seems like the comments are geared toward wanting our wives to communicate clearly and communicate respectfully. Now, I understand that clear is in the eye of the beholder, right? Because many times you think that you are saying it as clear as you can possibly say it, but would you entertain the possibility, ladies, that if we say this over and 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 over again, that it's just maybe possible that you're not being as clear as you think you are, right? So clear communication, uh, but there seems to also be a cry, a call for respectful communication. Respectful communication. In other words, it's not what you say so much as how you say it that makes the world a difference. I don't know about you, but when my wife plates something in an appealing or respectful way, it, make, it makes all the difference. She can say the same exact words with a different tone and different inflection and a different disposition, and it will make all the difference in the world. Am I telling the truth here, guys? And so I think that what God is calling us to do is to really examine, ladies, how we communicate with our husbands, how we convey our ideas, how we convey our thoughts and our opinions to them. Communications, it's words, it's attitudes, it's disposition. The scriptures tell us that the tongue can bring death or life. I believe it's in James where it says the power of life and death is in the tongue. You can speak blessings or you can speak cursings. You can build up and with the same tongue 
you can tear down. But I want to get across to you, I think one of the guys did a really good job of getting this across, is that, listen, you know, you, you can really, it means one thing for somebody else to talk bad about us. It's another thing for somebody else to disrespect us. It's another thing for somebody else to be harsh with us, right? But if it's coming from you, if it's coming from you, it makes a world of difference. It makes a world of difference. Because this all goes back to respect. And I'll say the same thing to you ladies that I said to the men a couple of weeks ago, that God's design for our lives, specifically our marriages, is that we get one well to draw from. One well. And I just implore you not to let this culture and its shifting, shadowiness just rock us to sleep as it relates to what God expects from marriage. You get one well. You get one man, one woman for the rest of your life. That's the plan with very few exceptions. And so some of us, we just, we, we have an exit strategy, you know, before we even get into the marriage. We have a plan in case it doesn't work. Maybe this will just be a starter marriage. I've heard that term. Google it. This is a starter marriage. I'm just going to practice on this one, you know, and, and, and get it right, and hopefully I can get the second one right. This is not how it works. Now, I realize that there are people who in here today that are, that are remarried, and that's not designed to bring you condemnation or to shame. Listen, that's, that's a whole other subject. But I'm talking to those of us who are in marriages right now, those of you contemplating marriage. I want to emphasize that God's plan for you is that you get one until they die. And so if you come to grips with the reality that you only get one, you only get one to draw from with regard to sex and intimacy. You only get one. There's only, there's only, you, you only to dip into that one. All of a sudden, when we're cutting our husbands off from the stuff that they can only get from us, that they should only get from us, then we're, 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 we're killing them, right? We're depriving them. We're starving them. And so we have to consider all of, all of a sudden, it doesn't matter how you're feeling today. It doesn't matter your moods. This is why, you know, unconditional gets thrown in there because it shouldn't matter what's going on. God is requiring us to be respectful. He's requiring us specifically in the realm of communication to communicate well. And so there's a call from these men for clear communication. And so what that means is that we just expect you and we would ask you to be just a little bit more thoughtful. We'd ask you to be a little bit more thoughtful. Now, I challenged a man several weeks ago to be, you know, to come to you on your terms and to be engaging and to realize how you're wired, that your wiring is not a flaw, but it's a gift from God. And in the same way, I just want to just kind of tell you something that maybe you didn't know, but men really like concise ideas. We'd like it for you to kind of get, get to the point. We'd like for you to just kind of talk to us as much as you possibly can, you know, one thing at a time, one thing at a time. And in that communication, even if you're communicating something difficult to us, we would really, really, really prefer, really prefer, uh, really prefer that you do so respectfully because it makes all the difference in the world. Why? Because we're, we're wired. God hardwired us to receive respect from you. And that is mostly, almost exclusively conveyed through your communication. Another area that the guys wanted me to talk to you about is this whole support and affirmation. The support and affirmation. And, and really, I, I generally am kind of surprised that this is the category that most most of the responses are geared to. And I'm wired a little bit differently. I'm a little more of a self-starter. And so I, I like affirmation. I like appreciation. I like support. But it surprises me sometimes that just guys say, listen, I need this. I, I'm doing without this. I am, I am I'm starving for this in my relationship. And so God expects you, ladies, to support your man. I don't mean support their foolishness. And if they're doing things that are illegal and lawless or things that are unethical, God doesn't expect you to just sort of blindly go along with things. I don't want you to misunderstand me here. But God expects you to support the man that you married. And that's partly why we say you should choose slowly and wisely. Because if you get yourself hooked up with somebody uh, that's kind of, you know, kind of a bozo, guess what? You've got to support that. You've you got to love that. You've got to respect that. And so this is why we encourage you to, to choose wisely. But God expects us to support um, your men. And this is what the guys have to say as it relates to support 
and affirmation. Your opinion and your treatment of your husband greatly affects his opinion and view of himself. Another person writes, I need my wife to be in my corner no matter what, especially, get this, especially when I get it wrong or when I make a mistake. This is when I'm vulnerable and I'm at my weakest and she could very easily crush me with her disrespect. Another person writes, I think one of the biggest things I've seen in my own relationship as well as other men I frequently talk with is that men need affirmation from their wives. In other words, times may get tough and we all make mistakes or even if everything is going fine, hearing small things like I appreciate you or you're doing a good job with the kids or hey, thanks for going to work even though I know you hate your job or I appreciate you. Those small words of encouragement help and give men the fuel or boost to keep pressing forward because when we don't have that and problems develop or life issues happen, it can cause a man to retreat inward and not want to share or engage with a spouse if they only ever hear the things that they are not doing right or if a spouse is complaining about them all the time. I thought that was really rich. Another guy writes, if and when we screw up or drop the ball, please don't throw it up in our faces. Instead, Respectfully communicate your concern, frustration, forgive us, pray for us, and be open to how God wants to use you in helping heal our brokenness. Many times you try to fix us. Nagging and complaining doesn't help, but God can, through your prayer, intercede for us, and God will do the rest. Another guy writes, I wish wives knew how much we need their support spiritually, emotionally, and vocationally. Your prayers, comfort, and cheerleading encourage me to be a better husband, a better father, a better leader, and a better worker. Knowing you believe in me gives me a huge motivation to accomplish the goals I feel God has set before me. And finally, a guy writes, I have been taught and I believe that men are wired to work. They find a measure of their personal worth and what they contribute. I think I need to hear from her that what I'm doing to provide for my family is a good thing and that she appreciates this. And so this falls under the category of support and affirmation. Ladies, what you need to know is a man, no matter how tall he walks or how confidently he speaks or no matter the swagger that he tries to portray, he's always wondering if he's cutting it in life. He's always wondering if he's, if, he's, if, he's, if, he's, if he's hitting the ball. He's always wondering this in the realm of his vocation. He's always wondering this in the realm of, you know, just his, just, just his manliness. He's especially concerned uh, with this in the realm of how you view him, how you view him. And if there is a lack or a void of support, a lack or a void of appreciation, if there's complacency in that realm, women, you're doing more harm. You're doing more harm than good. You're hurting that man because he needs that. We are very insecure about that. And I say this all the time, and I almost, you know, avoid saying this because it sounds, it sounds so bad. But listen, everything, women, that you decide that you're too busy to do or your man's not worthy enough, everything you decide that you won't do, listen, the enemy has somebody that will do it. The enemy has somebody that will affirm your husband. The enemy has somebody that will support him and that will appreciate him and that will will tell him all the things that he needs to to hear, even some things that that aren't true about him. And men are just so wired. You just watch these guys get taken for a ride because we're just suckers for a compliment. We're suckers for appreciation and affirmation, especially when there's a void of that from the person that God you know, connected us with, that one well that we're supposed to draw from. That one well that we're supposed to draw from. There will always be somebody who will do what you won't do. Now, it's our responsibility not to be drawn into that. We have to stand before God and we have to stand before you as honest, people full of integrity, to be not drawn away by some, you know, complimenting lips. I just want to, we still have a responsibility to hold our ground, to be solid, but oh, is it hard. When all we hear from you is what we're doing wrong. Oh, is it hard when you're the the, the undercurrent uh, that flows through our relationship of one of discontent and disrespect and a lack of appreciation, a lack of affirmation, a lack of support. Oh, is it hard? Oh, is it hard when that's not coming from the wife that God has given us? 
I don't say that to paint you into a corner or to point the finger at you in, a, in an angry way. I say that to raise your awareness. We're talking about, you know, setting our marriages up for success, for fruitful longevity over the long haul. This is who you got until you die. And so in that sense, let's, let's make sure this thing is set up right. And so since men are so wired to receive this, it makes a world of difference when we seek to support them and to affirm them and to appreciate them. Dr. Eggridge, in his book, he, he, he sets forth what, 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 um, what he calls the respect test, right? And some of you have heard this. Basically, for women who are having trouble with their husbands, maybe the guy is unmotivated, he won't clean up, he's not showing love and affection, uh, Dr. Eggridge said, just hold on, apply the respect test. He says, she says, he says, find one thing about your husband, just one thing, or maybe two things that you really respect about him. And some people have to really think hard, right? Some of you really think hard, right? And he says, find that, go into your husband and say, listen, listen, Pete, you don't, Pete, <laughs> uh, listen, Pete, I, this just, I was just thinking today, and there's just a couple things, man, that I, that I really appreciate about you. It just brought a smile to my face. I really appreciated you. And he said, and just walk out of the room. Don't say another word, just walk out of the room. And so without fail, the woman reported that their husbands chased them into the other room and just wanted to know, what, what were the husbands asking? What is it? What is it that I do so well? What is it that just brought a smile to your face? And some of it was, you know, as basic as, hey, I appreciate you going to work every day. And bringing home an honest living, I know you hate that job, and you go to work every day, and you do it, and you honor the Lord, but that we really appreciate it. I don't say that enough. I really like how you, you know, are stay-at-home dad with these kids. I know you'd much rather be in the workplace, but you know that this will be the best, this is the best scenario for our bottom line, and I know that you've taken a huge sacrifice to do that. I really appreciate that. You really are a good dad. Or listen, I, you know, we've talked about your overspending, and you really, I saw you really work to improve that. I know that's hard for you. I know you don't share my values about these things, but you've really worked hard, and I, I really appreciate that. Or if it's really hard, say, listen, hey, you know, I, will you scoop that, you know, the cat litter box, and will you change that litter box, you know, you had on your wife beater, and your muscles would just, you know, I really appreciate that. You brought a smile to my face today. We'll find something right? And so usually what these wives reported is that the men walked a little taller that day. And some of those chores that have been on the honeydew list for weeks and months, all of a sudden, some of those things got ticked off the list. Why? Because this is fuel to us. It's fuel to us. And so if you get into this crazy cycle where you go, I'll do this if you do that, or I'll be this if you be that, then you will never, you will never, you will never get that guy to the full potential. That's why he calls it a crazy cycle. You'll never get out of it. You'll go round and round and round again until somebody gets off of it. And by off of it, I don't mean healing. By off of it, I mean divorce court. Or worse, something more tragic. This is fuel for us. It fills our tank, gets our engine going, and God requires you to do it largely because, you know, what you offer us is something that we can't and shouldn't be getting any place else. Ladies, how are you as it relates to support and affirmation? How are you? How are you? And this last category uh, is very important. And I just want to remind anybody who came in late, this is rated PG-13. Again, we're not going to be unduly controversial here, but I just want freedom to go for this, right? PG-13, we're talking about sex and intimacy. This is a really big deal. It's a really big deal, and to get this wrong, ladies, will really mess with your longevity as a happily married couple. And forever is a long time to be miserable, right? Forever is a long time to be unhappy and to be unhealthy, and it becomes increasingly clear to me that lots and lots of women, women who love their husbands very much, women who are very attracted to their husbands, they just still don't get this whole thing as it relates to our wiring regarding sex and intimacy. It seems like Christian women really, really uh, sometimes don't get this. And this isn't to knock you, but this is just to put a mirror before us and say, listen, this is important. We've got to get this right. We've got to lean into Scripture. We've got to listen to our husbands on this because they're the experts, right? They're the experts of what makes them go. They're the experts 
of what makes them uh, feel satisfied and feel fulfilled and feel like you're respecting them through uh, sexuality and intimacy. And I want to read for you a few of the comments that the guys that the guys wrote. Sex and intimacy. One guy writes, sexual affirmation is extremely important to men. I know that women are wired completely differently when it comes to this, but for Christian men trying to avoid, to avoid all of the lustful temptations that are constantly around us or that we may have access to, this can become an extremely frustrating and destructive issue if we are not affirmed sexually by our spouses. Another man writes, sex is important, more so being an active participant instead of just a willing participant is what communicates the affirmation and expression of love that men desire. Another person writes, wives, yes, we do need sex. God made us that way. We can think about it a lot. We are visual, so let us see something out of the norm sometimes. While you look beautiful in your long wool one-piece pajamas... You look more appealing to us in some Victoria's Secret every now and then. And since every good and perfect gift, he gets a little scriptural on this one, comes from God above, let us get to open a pretty packaged present from time to time. <laughs> Another guy writes, I wish wives knew how much we yearn for physical intimacy. Being a virgin before I was married, I didn't know what I was missing there's an explanation mark there. But now that I've experienced the God-given blessing of being intimate with my wife, it's hard to go long without it. Sex can be a reprieve from a workday, a relief from the stresses of life, and an oasis in the desert. And some of you really connect with that because some of you did this the right way. You didn't, you know, sow your oats all over the place and then bring all that garbage into your marriage bed. You waited and you waited, and some of you had expectations about what that would be like, and, and there was a lot of disappointment there because, you're, you know, you, you and your wife weren't on the same page. But ladies, hear this, especially if, if, you, if you married a man who, who saved himself for you. This is a big deal. This is a really, really big deal. Last comment goes this way. Uh, it seems that after marriage and time, sex seems to become a more selfish thing. For instance, I tend to become more focused on what and how and when I like it. However, talking about sex with my spouse is a must, and good things always happen after talks. Some talks which are very difficult and some very nice, but the talks must happen and very often. And so this is what you guys had to say about sex. Men are extremely visual, sexual beings, seemingly more so, or in a different kind of way than women are. And so this is why men really struggle with, with visual temptation. Almost all the men that I know, almost all of them, I've met men that just really report not really struggling in this area, not being drawn to things like pornography or just, you know, just being visually stimulated in, in, in an inappropriate way by the, the things that they see. I've, I've met a few, just a few, a handful of men who I believe it when they say that they just don't struggle in that, that way, that by God's grace they just haven't struggled in that area. But by and large, many of the men that I talk to, many of the men that I interact with report having struggles in this area, myself included. And so it's really important for you to understand, women, that men need to need and want more sex. And it's not just because we're, you know, horny all the time, right? It's partly because that's one of the ways that we receive communication from you that you like us and that you love us and that you respect us. We have a strong desire to be desired. We have a need to be desires. We want to be wanted. And regular, fulfilling sex contributes to a man's sense of feeling loved and desired. If you really understood that, you really understood that this was more than the physical act itself, although that is fantastic. It's more than the physical act itself. It communicates something that it's really, really detrimental if, if we have to go without those signals, if we really have to go without and wonder if we're wanted or wonder if we're desired or wonder what's the problem. And so you couple a problem with sex with a problem with communication and a problem with affirmation. That's a, that's a concoction. That's a deadly mixture. 
That's a deadly mixture. But as we focus on this whole thing uh, called sex, much like respect and much like affirmation and all the communication and stuff, we are fragile beings. Fragile beings. And sometimes men, we get a bad rap as not being very romantic. We want to be romantic. We may not know how, right? But we want to be romantic, and we're insecure about it. And frankly, we wonder if we are good at it. We wonder if we, you know, are, are hitting the ball there. And we wonder if your lack of interest in it somehow has to do with our performance and all these sorts of things. And so, you know, we, we need to really engage in this. A friend of mine says that sex is more than sex. Sex. That's why I say sex and intimacy. You know, something's being communicated through that holy act. This is why it's just so detrimental when you just give yourself to anybody and to, you wrap yourself into anybody. This is, this is something sacred. This is something holy. This is a covenant. And every time sexual intercourse happens between man and a woman, it communicates, it reinforces that covenant that harm will come to me before I leave this. Harm will come to me before I abandon this. Death will have to separate us. That's the covenant that I make with my wife when I say, I do. That's the covenant she makes with me when she says, I do. And so every time we consummate that, we reinforce that covenant. We reinforce that covenant. And so women, you may not need for the covenant to be reinforced that way. You want to be loved. You want to be shown affection. That's the primary conduit through which you receive those signals. But for many, many men, the primary signal, you know, the conduit through which they receive that signal is physical intimacy. And when you let your mood and when you let all the circumstances of life really dictate how that's going to go down you're doing yourself and your marriage, and especially your husband, a huge disservice. You're putting a lid on the well that he's supposed to dip from, and, and, and it will starve him. It will, something will die. And an indifference to this realm of your life will tax you in ways that you simply cannot afford. Even if you have a righteous man that would, 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 would dare not violate God's covenant outside of the marriage or really works hard to put boundaries and hedges around his life as it relates to uh, getting involved into interpersonal situations that are inappropriate or looking at pornography, even if you have a man that has a tremendous resolve, the discontent and the cumulative effect of all of that rejection and the cumulative frustration of being sexually frustrated will tax you in ways that we're not probably even able to perceive, but it's going to cost you. The consequences of that will come to bear in some way, and it won't be pretty. It won't be pretty. Men need sex and intimacy. And further, the Scripture tells us, Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 3, that the husband should fulfill his wife's sexual needs, and the wife should fulfill her husband's sexual needs. The wife gives authority over her body to her husband, and her husband gives authority over his body to his wife. Do not deprive each other of sexual relations unless you both agree to refrain from sexual intimacy for a limited time so that you can give yourselves more completely to prayer. After which, you should come together again so that Satan won't be able to tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Now, this is the Scripture. Now, we can get too crazy about this Scripture, or we can wield it as a weapon. Are we in this modern-day society who likes our options? We don't want to be told anything. The increasing, you know, push for liberation and independence, particularly among women, might say, listen, my body is mine. Do what I want to do with my body. I'll give it to whoever, whomever I want. I guess, I guess you have the right to do that. But those that follow Jesus, we got to wrestle with this. we got to wrestle with this, and we got to see what this means. So in this whole spirit of mutual submission, where we're mutually submitting to one another, I understand that my body is not my own, your body is not your own. We got to work this out. We got to work this out. We got to come up with a plan. We got to work it out. We have to work it out. I'm too busy. You're too busy? I'm too tired. You're too tired? Do you know what's at stake? You know what's at stake? Again, we have, to, we have to synthesize all this information in light of the scriptures, being respectful, coming to a place of understanding. But ladies, we got to get on the ball on this. We got to get on the ball on this. 
When you consider all that pulls on us in this realm as we go out and about, we really got to do some work in this area. We think about pornography and how just at the click of a button, your computers and your phones, you have cable, just a push of a button, it's in your house. It's in your spirit. Somebody else is in your bed, in spirit, just like that. Women who just are increasingly liberal in how they dress, especially in the summer months, it's just very difficult sometimes to keep focus and to not take the second and the third look and to store that image away for later. All these things that we're up against, the increasing popularity of things like, you know, the tidy pants, the yoga pants. I mean, somebody should just do away with those. TV, magazines, that young thing at the office, the girl at the gym. Listen, we have a responsibility to keep ourselves holy before the Lord, but don't forget, ladies, what we have to deal with every single day, every single day of our lives. And that doesn't give us an excuse to stray. That doesn't give us ammunition to demand something from you. But we just would that you understand that all of those things are way easier to deal with. They're way easier to deal with. It's easier to say no to clicking on that website. It's easier to say no to taking a second or third look. It's easier to say no to to, to getting ever so close to some type of emotional affair or blowing past the warning signs of an inappropriate, you know, a budding inappropriate. It's so much easier to say no to that stuff when my wife is loving me right. It's so much easier. It's so much easier. And we want you to know that. And so particularly in this realm, some of you say, okay, I get that, but what should I do? I got three tips for you. (laughs) Pins out. Three tips. First tip is talk about it. Talk about it. And we get so goofy about this stuff. We're grown-ups, right? We talking about sex like we're eighth graders, you know, in the back of gym class. We're grown-ups, and when we realize what's at stake, we got to talk about it. And I read a comment just a few moments ago where the guy said, listen, good stuff happens after a talk. And to that, I say amen. <laughs> it didn't take my wife and I long to figure out the communication about this. We weren't on the same wavelength. I had no, you know, I kind of thought I knew and understood sex, even as a virgin going into marriage. I realized on my wedding night, I knew nothing. I knew nothing. It was awkward. It was like, why didn't somebody tell me this? And so, but we realize that if we talk about it, if we explain to each other what we like, explain to each other what we don't like, hey, don't do that ever again. We, that didn't work. <laughs> oh, yeah, do that. Just make a note. Let's take a picture. No, don't take a picture of it. Let's make a note of that. We'll come back to that, right? But we talk about it. And so not only talk about what's pleasurable and what's not pleasurable, but we talk about the gap between us with regard to frequency. Now, I'm going to tell you too much of my business, but there's a huge gap between, you know, what my idea of when this should go down and my wife's. And me, I'm, like, every 24 hours is about good for me. I started, you know, see spots, and I'm walking into stuff after, you know, a day or so. I'm ready to go. But there's, my wife is on a completely different, you know, time frame. And so rather than being frustrated about that and being passive-aggressive and trying to apply pressure, we needed to have a series of ongoing conversations about bridging the gap and meeting somewhere in the middle or maybe closer to me. (laughs) (laughs) Really, until that happens, there's a lot of frustration. There's a lot of frustration. And sexual frustration is the type of thing, and I'm going to take my time on this, um, um, uh, sexual frustration is the type of thing that is toxic. It's toxic. You know, there's other types of frustration, like, oh, the dishes are in the sink again, the socks are on the floor. Sexual frustration is a different kind of frustration. It's extra potent. Colors other areas of life. You're arguing about, you know, him getting a bank fee because he went to the ATM that's not a part of your bank, but, you know, that's a, that's a fight that seems really silly. We're talking about a dollar, but what's really at the, at the root of that is some sexual frustration. He's bringing up stuff that you're like, this is silly stuff. Why is, what's happening here? But, but he's talking about the fact that it's been a week or two weeks or three weeks or more. 
He's talking about every time he reaches for you, you turn the cold shoulder or there's, you know, somebody picks a fight so that you don't have to be intimate, all these silly tricks. You know, you're talking about this, but what they're really talking about is that. He blew up at that small thing, but what he really is blowing up about is that there's there's some tension there. There's some frustration there, and it's going to come up at the ugliest times. And so this is why it's helpful to talk about it, preferably outside of a conflict situation. Now, sometimes in the middle of some heat, you got to go after it because it's fresh in your mind. But it's been my experience that these talks happen, that these, these talks are more fruitful when, 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 when people aren't heated, when things aren't riled up, when there's not other conflicts brewing. And so what should we talk about? We should talk about, hey, you know what? You have to really understand. You have to really understand that I'm struggling here. Really understand that I'm struggling here. Pastor Gino says that I get one well. Do you agree with that? I heard a story. A guy woke his wife up in the middle of the night, asked her, how many wells do I get? She said one. He said, please, let's get this. Let's, 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 let's go for it. I get one well. And she obliged, right? So I think that, men, you need, to, you need to remind your wives, because sometimes they forget, that you're my one well. I love you. Not only do I love you, I like you. I think you're beautiful. I want to go after this as many times as you would allow me to. I get one well, and frankly, it's been too long. It's been too long. And when you say that in the right spirit, don't bring out any scriptures to try to, you know, add any other things to, you know, you know, to, to boost your position. Because, listen, she's ripe to receive right now. You say, listen, I, I'm really frustrated in this area. Can we please talk about this? Can we please help me understand why you are the way you are. Help me understand why this isn't happening with a certain degree of You might discover that there's an area of frustration, right? And that it's hard for her to engage. You might, you might learn that there's some physical thing. You might learn that there's some emotional things that's going, but you won't learn that until you talk about it, and you'll just be frustrated, and it will deeply impact every area of your life. So I say talk about it, Right? And so outside of talking about it, I say, make a plan. Make a plan. You guys aren't on the same, you know, page enough to just kind of wing it. No, let's, just, let's just figure it out as it goes. That hasn't worked for you. And so you need to make a plan. Now, scheduling sex seems like a very, you know, you know mechanical thing. I want to be spontaneous, like in the movies, you know, our shoulders just brush up against each other, or catch your eye over the room, and like, you know, the Cialis commercial, we go into the room and we take care of it. Now, when you got three, four kids, you both work outside of the home, you got all types of duty. Listen, it's easy for this thing to sort of get, you know, and for the things that are important, you know, like doctor visits and, you know, dentists and stuff like that, you'll plan that stuff. Why not schedule this, especially if you're at a deficit, especially if things are broken? Especially if your paths, you know, are getting crossed on this, why not come up with a plan? Now, it may not be, hey, every Thursday we'll do this, but it might be. That way, the guy knows that, hey, come Thursday, I don't care if there's a typhoon coming through here, we're going to get into a storm closet or something and take care of this, right? Because part of the problem for many guys is, listen, I, you know, I just don't know when the next round will be, and that's even more frustrating. And for some women, you need to mentally prepare for this. You, you got all these irons in the fire. You got kids pulling on you. And if you knew that on Wednesday, you know, things were going to happen, then you would prepare yourself, you know. You would, you, would, you would store away some emotional energy, and you might enjoy it more just having prepared yourself for it rather than just simply having to oblige. And so however you're wired, however frequency works between the two of you, however you decide to meet in the middle, I just think it's important to come up with a plan. And that plan could also include, hey, when you're feeling especially frustrated, when you're feeling especially frustrated, you need to come to me. I'm going to give you this ticket, and you can cash that in when you're feeling especially. The plan may include that, but we have to talk about it and not just talk in these ambient, you know, ambiguous, ambiguous terms. We need to specifically talk about it. Talk about it. And so the last tip that I'm going to give you is I'm just, 
I'll say embrace the key three. Somebody say the key three. Embrace the key three. A friend of mine, uh, Kevin Fisher, pastors a, a venue church in Miami, and we were in Miami uh, probably in March, and we visited this church, and he was, he, was ta- he was preaching on sex. And so he talked about these three things that are important for uh, men and women, particularly those who are married, when they're making a plan and they're having talks about this and they're trying to go about getting on the same page as it relates to sex, talk about these three things. Because part of the frustration with some wives when they consider that they have to increase frequency, they go, I got to have, I got to have intercourse every single night, not every single night, but more frequently. I, I just don't have the energy for all of that. That doesn't appeal to me. And so my friend just put these three things out there. And the way he framed them is in terms of like little meals, right? You've got your snack, you've got your dinner, and then you've got the banquet, right? Snack, dinner, and the banquet. Now, this is really, I mean, this could revolutionize things for you. So don't check out on me, okay? And so the snack is just like a snack. There's something in between wheels, something just to, something just to tide you over. You know, it's just, hey, just... Dare I say it, just a quickie. You know, anybody knows what a quickie is? Can we say that in church? Just we don't have time. The kids are about to wake up. We got, we got five, six minutes. Well, let's, let's take care of this. Now, listen, if we can't talk about this, you know, we want to get free or what? We want some solutions or what? And so everything can't be these long, drawn-out, you know, sexual escapades. Sometimes we just got to work with what we got. And sometimes you got five or sometimes you got ten minutes. Sometimes you got kids, you know, and sometimes you got business schedules, and you may just have a lunch break or something like that. And so this is this is snack. This is not something that means to sustain you for the duration of the day. This is just a little something to tide you over. But you know, your whole existence, your whole nutritional thing can't be snacks. I think it says somewhere in the Bible that men shall not live by snacks alone. <laughs> somewhere in the back. It's in the back. Just find it. And so snacks, this is not supposed to be the whole diet, right? And so we move to dinner. Like dinner. This is, a little, this is substantial. There's a few courses, right? There's maybe some foreplay. There's maybe some stuff, you know, a pillow talk afterward. This is, this is the main thing. And so some of you have just gone really long times without having, having any meals. And it's a shame. And if your husband were honest with you, that's taxing him, and that's taxing your relationship in a significant way. And so some people, man, really just need to drill down into this. Particularly, lady, if, you, if you're not interested, if there's something really that makes this really difficult for you, I mean, you might consider, you know, uh, getting some type of professional counseling or some type of therapy. But listen, you know, your sexual life together should include some meals where there's some courses to it. Or there's some extended periods of time where you've strategically put things in place. You strategically make sure the kids are either in bed or in a secure place where they won't, you know, walk in on you. This is dinner. And how many of you know that you eat dinner every night? And I'm not saying that you should, you know, you're you're on the hook for that every night. I'm just talking about this should be regular as a part of your sexual diet, the sexual nutrition. You may be able to go two weeks, lady. But your husband probably can't. I mean, he can if he has to. But I just don't think that he should if he's wired to need more, more frequency than that. And so I think that this is where this dinner is really important. Then thirdly, you've got, you've got the banquet, right? Anybody that's been to a nice banquet? Banquet's the type of thing you walk into and you go, man, this is a nice spread. There's guys walking around with little hors d'oeuvres on a tray, and there's drinks, and there's, there's, there's extra courses. There's a dessert afterwards. This is a banquet, right? And so I just think that there ought to be some time where there's something really, really special happens, something just out of the ordinary. I don't go to two, you know, I don't go to a banquet a week. I don't go to a banquet a month. Maybe go to, you know, a couple a year, and you get what I'm saying. So this is something special. It's likely the case that you need to get, get away from the things that can disrupt you. Get away. Go someplace. Even if it's just to, you know, a hotel or something. Something you just need to go. You never, you don't take vacation or you always vacation with the kids. And there's never a time 
where you and your spouse can just be together uninterrupted. Uninterrupted. And so what you, re- what you won't realize until you do that is how life-giving that is. Uh, and we could just step outside of sex for a moment, how life-giving that is in terms of intimacy and building something together and sharing ideas that doesn't have anything to do with your work life or your family life, just you sharing ideas. And the intimacy that happens in those spaces where the stress is reduced and there's nothing but time and opportunity is is absolutely refreshing. Absolutely refreshing. And so I just really appreciate the times when my wife and I can get away and enjoy each other's company. In particular, our intimacy together is enriched when, when we're participating in the banquet. So if you take these three things into the planning room with you, you take these three things into the discussion and the planning about sex and intimacy, all of a sudden you can come up with a plan. You can come up with a plan. And I don't need to lay this out for you, right? I don't need to lay this out for you, but I just tell you, I don't need dinner and a banquet every single night in, 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 in the realm of sexual intimacy. I just don't need that every other night. And so we have, we've worked out the system and worked out things. Well, th- we just need little things to tide us over until you, you get to the place where you're feeling like you're ready to go. Again, I'm, not tr- I'm trying not to be too specific here, but I think you get what I'm saying. This isn't just going to happen. This isn't just going to overtake us. This is something that God commands us to lean into. And I'm talking to the women specifically today because it's usually the case, not always the case, but it's usually the case that the man feels deprived in some specific way. And so what Paul challenges us to do and what God expects us to do as it relates to this realm of our life is to work really hard to do our job. You say, what's my job? Your job is to be a well. A well, a wellspring of life that your husband can draw all the things that he needs from you so that he doesn't have to look any place else for it. God says to do your job, ladies, to do your job. And so some of you, as you would grade yourself and worship team, you can come up as you grade yourself and you say, man, I really need to work in this area. Man, I'm really struggling in this area. Man, I really need to have some conversations. Man, we really need to make a plan. Some of you, are, you need to apologize to your husbands because of how you've shown a lack of respect because you haven't been thoughtful in your communication. You have to apologize because you haven't been a support system for him. You haven't affirmed and appreciated that man on his terms and on his turf. And some of you especially will have to humble yourself today and apologize for just being indifferent about his sexual needs, unwilling to bend and unwilling to move on this end, even using sex in your body as a weapon or as a manipulative tool to get what you want or to punish you, you have to apologize for that and, and vow with God's help to do better. And so I want to challenge you as I challenged the men last week to engage in dialogue. When you leave here, when the timing's right, you don't try to do this at the fellowship lunch, you know, those kids running around. It's, it's not the place. When you get some time, some space to talk about these things, bring these things up and hopefully have a fruitful conversation. Why? So that we can be fruitfully married and have some longevity in these relationships so that God can do what he wants to do, not only do what he wants to do in us, but so that we can give our kids a healthy model of what it looks like to be madly in love with one another. Can we do that? Let me pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for your truth. I thank you so much for your goodness. I thank you so much for how you challenge us, but you call us to be transformed and call us to be changed. So Holy Spirit, I just ask that you would cause us to here today, not just here, but receive and respond to what you've spoken. Lord, I pray that if there's any condemnation, any shame, any guilt surrounding what you've poured out today, Father, I just ask that you would completely neutralize that and and just do the work in us that you want to do. Now, for those conversations that will happen later, for the plans that will be set later, Father, I pray that you would be all in the middle of that so that it would be fruitful. Go before us today, Lord, and make the crooked places straight. Lord, teach the women how to respect and love and communicate with and support and fulfill the sexual desires of their husbands according to your wisdom, according to your scripture. Lord, we give you glory, honor, and praise in advance for all you're going to pour out in this realm. We ask these things in Jesus' name.